1: Hey, welcome everyone to the Window Baseball America podcast. Thank you, Dave Slade, for the intro. I'm John Manuel. He is Matt Eddy. Trying to get back on the podcast horse this week uh, after the month of June. We're just, uh, just getting a magazine and and covering the draft, the Cowboys series, Futures game rosters. It's a scene, man. <laughs> it's a scene of the month of June. Uh, Matt, thanks for all the work on uh, keeping up the draft database. We have the draft uh, deadline coming up next Friday. Don't think there's going to be a ton of drama with that. I think most of the drama uh, has been sucked out of the draft uh, signing period by the by the bonus pools and how huge the bonus pools are. We, we had a, And we even got a little drama sucked out of the Futures game rosters this year, Matt, because the process changed. Baseball America is still very happy to be part of the process uh, with Major League Baseball and MLB.com and selecting the Futures games. Matt, they changed the process a little bit this year, a little bit more of a focus on the international team in terms of uh, spreading the love to more countries. I call it the EJ Toon rule, back to the fact that Everett Jan Toon, T apostrophe H O E N, of the Netherlands actually made a futures game 17 years ago. The unforgettable angels prospect. That's correct? right. Uh, well, you're using the word prospect quite generously there, I think. <laughs> um, that's what brought us a roster that includes, uh, Davidas Neverauskas, although, you know, Davidas Neverauskas actually throws you know, in the low '90s now. Uh, I can't maybe believe you the, can pronounce that. So, so, oh, I've, I've, I've asked around. Uh, I, I, I do know that uh, I'm pretty sure it's never ask us. Um, but Davida's never ask us on that. So, you get a Lithuanian? Um, that's the Pirates reliever, we should say. Pirates reliever. So, I'm actually looking forward to seeing him in person. I'm looking forward to seeing Jarrell Cotton in person. But, mm-hmm. uh, the I just think in general there was no way, Matt, that this year's Futures Game was gonna be an epic Futures Game because the talent in the minor leagues. It's just natural that it is at a bit of an ebb, whereas last year it flowed with a ridiculous amount of talent that got to the big leagues. And even from last year's Futures game, Kyle Schorber, Michael Conforto, uh, several other players who were in the Futures game and then went up to the uh, to the big leagues and were postseason factors. So um, when you ha- graduate and you have a year of the prospect like we had in 2015, it felt like it was it would be very difficult to construct Futures game rosters that would rival last year's. Just based on the talent on hand and the minors.
2: Yeah, we kind of ran into that with the midseason top fifty. You know, yep, it's like, is this
1: guy? We really want this guy number one? We really right. want this guy number two? You know, midseason top hundred coming out actually next Wednesday, as we record this on July sixth. I think it's a week from today, July thirteenth. That Baseball America's midseason top one hundred will come out, and updated top tens for every uh, organization. We're working hurriedly on that, but we're taking a look at the world roster right now, Matt. Who are some of the guys in this world team that you're looking forward to seeing uh, on the TV? I'll be in San Diego. You'll be here. Uh, who are you looking forward to seeing on on the on the telly? Uh,
2: it's always fun to see Alex Reyes. That's a, that's an obvious answer. Right. Um, Indians catcher catcher Francisco Mejia is a guy who's really come on. He's a uh, switch hitting catcher from the Dominican. Yeah. That,
1: that's a nice. That's a that's a prospect who plays a premium position and is starting to perform. Uh, yeah. offensively to go with it, but again, a low, uh, you know, low class A player. I think in general, we would almost have rather skewed the team a little bit younger, but I understand why you'd want to go older with some of these players too. I and mean, I think when, when Ty goes to the low A guy for us, you know, at baseball America in some ways, because we want to see that guy on that stage. I think other people who are involved in the process, the tie goes to the double A or triple A player.
2: Yeah. And Tyler O'Neill, Canadian outfielder for the Mariners. Like,
1: I've never actually seen him in person. Oh, he's uh, he's strong-bodied. Yeah. I know mean, that's one way to put it. And, and he's probably the number one prospect in the Mariners organization at this point. I haven't mm-hmm. finalized that, but it's not Alex Jackson. We know that. He's answered that. Asked and answered, counselor. Um, we know it's not DJ Peterson. And Edwin Diaz is in the majors. Edwin Diaz has graduated the major leagues. Dirty slider. Um, pretty basically uh, 18 strikeouts per nine last I checked. I think he had 27 strikeouts and 14 innings in the big leagues for Diaz. So... Uh, Drew Jackson's, you know, nice little prospect. But Tyler O'Neill's probably your number one guy there in terms of the impact that he has with the power that he's shown so far. Um, I, I kind of like the rest of that outfield as well. All those world outfielders, Jorge Bonifacio, Eloy Jimenez, Manuel Margot, Tyler O'Neill, Ramel Tapia, all those guys, it's a pretty different, a lot of variety in that outfield as well. I, I'm kind of partial out of that group to... uh you know, to Manuel Margot, because he has a, he does a lot of things well, but he doesn't, he's not exceptional in anything. I think you and I have debate, debated Ramel Tapia before. Where do you fall on Tapia as a, in terms of impact potential? Tapia. Um. That's the Colorado guy.
2: Yeah. Probably not star potential, but he, he has a lot of the attributes that reserve outfielders have.
1: Yeah. I, I struggle with him because, man, he could really, really hit. Always hits for a high average. Doesn't draw walks very consistently. His power numbers I feel like have ticked up a bit this year on the Hartford Road goats, uh any are the yard goats, but
2: how about Alejandro de Aza, Somebody like that. Like a left handed hitting outfielder who can run. Same Dominican heritage.
1: That 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 comes he feels like he's a better version of that. So I'm not sure what the better version of Alejandro de Aza is. Like the Aza when he hits. Yeah. Because this guy does feel like he has a better hitting track record than most minor leaders. Yeah. So he may hit his way into more of a, I don't know, He to me he kind of feels like a Chris Coghlan type, like where Chris Coghlan's value is pretty much tied up in his batting average and, uh, and never hits for power, commensurate with a corner. Maybe he gets away with center field when he's healthy, that kind of thing. He, that's who Tapia kind of reminds me of. Because um, Chris Coghlan always hit. He hit at Ole Miss. He hit in the minors. He hit with the Marlins when he first got to the big leagues. But Tapia doesn't have that. Um, yeah, you know, obviously doesn't have that infield background, but yeah, you know, last I checked, he was 13 for 26 stealing bases this year. <laughs> so I know he's got speed, but how much does it really impact the game? Yeah, he can play center, but all the reports that we have are that he fits better on a corner. He's one of the more polarizing, I think, prospects in the minor leagues. And the Rockies have had a really, you know, uh, I would say disappointing year in the minor leagues for a farm system. you have look at Ryan McMahon having a really brutal year in Double A. Um, really hasn't gone well for him his first test above a ball Forrest Wall still yet the break out uh, Sentel has got an injury now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Toppy is actually one of the guys who's had a, who's had a good year for them. Um, the, the other parts of this UST uh, us this world team I'm pretty interested to see Willie Adames that's the guy who's gotten a lot of yeah
0: um,
1: you know when you get traded at 18 for David price it's kind of a yeah you're kind of a big deal I want to see what all the hypes about people, people in the Florida State League liked them a lot last year. The world infield is interesting with Naylor, Moncada, Mateo, Adames. All those guys are in- intriguing players.
2: Even without the Mets on that Rosario. That's, hey, that's a, the one guy I would love to see if they could get
1: him on the roster somehow. That would be a guy that would be wonderful to see. We'll see if Jamer Condelario of the Cubs, who's uh, in mm-hmm. the major leagues right now, if he comes back to the future game roster. He's not been removed officially yet, so we'll see what happens there. I do think pitching-wise, we just had Ronaldo Lopez in Durham last night. I didn't get to go see him. Uh, Josh Norris in the office went to go see him and it sounds like Lopez breaking ball was not sharp last night. And his velocity was a little down. Uh but he's had a great year. But there's not really a real big depth of big time velocity on the world roster this year. No. Not not really a pitcher that I'm too intrigued with. And the US roster bat is kind of like your draft class of twenty fifteen All Stars <laughs> in some ways. Where's Harrison Bader on this? How can, <laughs> how can we get couldn't get Triple A Harrison Bader on here to join Alex Bregman, Dansby Swanson, and Andrew Benintendi? The guys who dominated the college conversation in the draft last year, uh picks one, two, and seven overall, um, all represented on this futures game roster.
2: Yeah, who's your big pick to click here?
1: You know, I'm fascinated to see. I've only seen him once before with uh, the – uh, the uh, I forget which pro national team it was. I want to see Josh Hader again. I really want to see Jeff Hoffman again. Saw him in college. I want to see him again here. Um, you know, we've got Ryan Stanek going 100 miles an hour out of their bullpen. But the pitcher I'm probably most intrigued by is, is Phil Bickford.
2: Yeah, that was my pick too.
1: Never seen him in person. Uh, two-time first-round pick. Was good in the Cape on the summer. Was good for Cal State Florida, Not great. Was Put up video game numbers at JCS, Southern Nevada, and has really been a, an outstanding pro so far. So for me, mm-hmm. uh, seeing how that fastball plays, it just sounds like he gets a lot of ugly swings. Matt yeah. at 91, 94.
2: That's how his reports always read, even though the velo appears to be down from like his peak levels. Right, was I mean, about 20. Um, but yeah, his numbers, especially since moving to San Jose, he's really up up a gear. I mean, do you see him as like a right-handed bomb Garner almost? Like kind f- of fastball yeah. command is reigns supreme for a Giants prospect.
1: I think it's the combination of it's good velocity, it's good enough velocity with angle, deception, life. It's late life. Just, guys just don't square this guy up. And granted, it's able and an and amateur. That's the background. But so far, so good. He mm-hmm. no, he hasn't found a hitter who can consistently square up his fastball. And that's just a great building block. In that regard, he does remind me of Bumgarner. In terms of that just that's such a fundamental building block and uh, he's a guy who can throw that pitch and throw that pitch over and over seventy, seventy five percent of the time and be really effective with it. Also so,
2: low walk and home run rates. So he's not somebody who hurts himself.
1: Yeah. Uh and, and that's you know, and Josh Hader is somewhat similar in that there is now this genre of low slot left handers and bum garners in the genre. Mm-hmm. Um might be the president. He might be. I mean, he's he's clearly a little different body type. Well, not little. He's a lot different body type than a sale or a hater. The skinny low slot guys. We just saw one in, in Fort Bragg on Sunday in Adam Conley. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are guys who do it the way that Josh Hader does it. And I think that the initial doubt scouts had about whether a hater could stay as a starter, I, the hater-haters, uh, I think, are fading. I think, are oh, those guys are harder to find. This guy's consistently getting it done. Uh, the other, I'll tell you the other reason I was skeptical of him, Matt. I mean, maybe you've run into this in ranking prospects. You know, when a guy gets traded twice, does that make you, does that give you any pause? Cause yes. They,
2: you're I, talking about I, hater here. Yeah, yeah.
1: absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, Especially not pause.
2: in significant deals. Cause, Cause, yeah, he wasn't traded th- from Bud Norris and then traded in like Carlos Gomez, right? Go ahead, correct.
1: Which is a pretty decent sized deal, but it wasn't even clear that he was the main guy the Astros were getting. You correct? Brett Phillips was the the key piece. So that made me wonder. That that was another reason why we had a seed of doubt this off season. I think he was still what number eleven in the Brewer system, and what looked like a very stacked Brewer system. Um, but he's kept taking steps forward this year.
2: Uh, Carson Kelly, the Cardinals catcher, is finally hitting this year, and he he intrigues me because he has such strong defensive tools. Yeah, and now he's actually starting to hit at Double A.
1: He really started to hit last August. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's where it started. I mean, he was a guy mm-hmm. who. Here's a guy, you know, I didn't, I, I actually did agonize over, am I going to rank, uh, Carson Kelly or am I going to rank Aladdinus Diaz ah. at the back of the of the Cardinals top 10? And I guess the answer should have been Harrison Bader, <laughs> but, um, the first year coming out of the draft, I was a little shy on Harrison Bader. Um, I don't remember where I ranked him in the handbook, but I was, I really wanted to rank Aladdinus Diaz. But some of the guys I talked to were like, you know, Carson Kelly really finished very, very strong. Mm-hmm. And you go to his his uh, splits last season, and in a month where if you catch every day in the Florida State League, you mm-hmm. should wear out. He actually was better in the second half. The on-base wasn't good, but the power numbers were there the last couple of months of the year. So he hit for some power, uh, especially if you factor in September, where he had five of his eight home runs, July, mm-hmm. August, September, might,
2: so, might not see a worse June than that, though.
1: 337 ops. <laughs> no, that was a, uh, this was a Jason Mott style June where Jason <laughs> Mott used to catch in the Cardinal system and had these kind of offensive productions. And Kelly entered pro ball as a third baseman, like an Oregon high school player. Correct. So he's, he, he, he did not, I mean, this was his second full year, I think, as a catcher. And I, I tell you, I did not, I, I really questioned myself almost immediately after doing it for ranking him in the top 10. But I did it solely off the defense. Mm-hmm. The fact that he finished strong. And that's the scouting reports. Actually, the managers in that league really liked him. And that was very close between him and Reese McGuire for a lot of managers in that league. And Carson Kelly's fit, greater physicality and power right now is carrying the day for him as a prospect versus Reese McGuire, who was a high draft pick and is still a guy that, in the draft, scouts still kind of compare amateur catchers to Reese McGuire. But I think... His lack of power is really, he's kind of looking, training like a Josh Tolley kind of player.
2: Yes. And
1: Carson Kelly, you know, power and defensive chops. That's what teams look for in their catchers. Carson Kelly is kind of starting to trend that way. Chance Sisko, again, kind of a different kind of guy. And these are two young catchers. You know, Cisco just 21. Carson Kelly, just uh, about to turn 22, uh, the day after, uh, well, June, July 14th. So soon after the futures game. Those are intriguing guys with Cisco. Really, again, Matt. uh, Hard to find minor leaguers have a better hitting track record than Chance Cisco.
2: Well, we'll playing catcher exclusively. Yeah, just adding adding to the degree of difficulty.
1: And and he's doing it now in Double A. You know, kind of doing. You know, we talked about Ryan McMahon earlier, of another Southern California, I believe, 2013 prep prospect like Cisco was, um, a guy who you know does not control the strike zone as well as Cisco. And as a result, even though he's had a lot more power in his career to this point, hasn't been able to translate those hitting skills to double A. And Cisco has, cause he, you know, it seems like he's got a better approach. Uh, which of those hitters, uh, intrigue you on the U.S. roster?
2: None. <laughs> but you have, you have Willie Calhoun, 5'8", and Dylan Cousins, 6'6", like the,
1: the extremes, like two guys, like at the beginning of the year, they're on the Futures game right. roster? Right. <laughs> Willie Calhoun can hit. Yeah. The fact that he's listed as an infielder is intriguing. I think he was supposed to play second base. If memory serves, and, uh, you know, obviously you could tweet at me at John Manuel BA. He's at Matt Eddy BA if you want to, um, correct us on this. <laughs> Willie Calhoun started his college career at the University of Arizona. I believe that he was getting all the scholarship money and Phillies farmhand Scott Kingery was still a recruited walk on. And then Calhoun, uh, transferred to a junior college and that's kind of what helped Kingery get playing time. And then Kingery wound up as a supplemental first round pick of the Phillies. And of course, Arizona with Willie Calhoun, with Scott uh, Kevin Newman, with Scott Kingery did not make regionals this year. All those guys are gone. They go to the College Series <laughs> finals. College baseball is a funny game. Um, but Willie Calhoun can can straight out hit, and so can Travis Damera. Those those two guys are gonna are little guys. Damera t- towers four inches over uh, Calhoun, but still somewhat undersized. But those guys, the ball comes off their bat pretty well. So. Dylan Cousins, like you said, other end of the spectrum physically. Yeah. He's a donkey in a, in a good way, I think. But what is he listed as? 6'6", six, 235? Six,
2: yeah. Ben Intendi is, is always fascinating just because there's just not a lot of, like,
1: in terms of body type, maybe Adam Eaton is the closest major leaguer. He's gotten that comp. I mean, to me, he reminds me kind of of a Ben Ogilvie, you know, in the 70s. I know that's a rare comp, cross-racial comp. Ben Ogilvie was originally from Panama, I believe, although he may have been yeah. born in the canal zone. Um but uh, Ben Ogilvy hit 41 home runs in 1980, and he was listed at 5'11", 170. Wow! So that's why I go there with Ben. And I only 10. remember him
2: from baseball cards. Yeah, he was in the 80s.
1: <laughs> he was one of Harvey's wall bangers on the '82 uh, uh, Brewers World Series team, American League uh, champion. So, but that team, will see if Austin Meadows gets uh, healthy, and then of course, all-time John Manuel <laughs> Cheeseball Hunter Renfro, who hunts deer with his bare hands. Um I love seeing Hunter Renfro in this game and you know San Diego is the host team so Padres get 3 uh uh three guys in the futures game. Mm. Uh, probably the only thing that would have been worse if it had been a a, a Diamondbacks or Angels host this year cuz Diamondback system has taken a significant step backwards and the Angels are the Angels. So uh Padres uh was do we miss any Padres uh Matt who should have been in this game? Uh Franchi Cordero? Just <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that you went to the Frenchie Cordero well. Um, but one of the things we wondered, Matt, was the Futures game has this U.S. versus world format. Um, I don't know if the Futures game would be better with the National League versus American format. It is weird that you have the Futures game with one format in the World Series with another. What if the World format, I mean, what if the All-Star game format was done the way the Futures game was done? That was kind of a thought exercise we had uh, to talk, uh, about this year's, uh, you know, all-star game. I-, I will say that this was a little bit tougher than I thought it would be. You now, I-, I was, I, now, uh, I took some time with this and I struggled a little bit. I still don't have a world third baseman because maybe Machado. I do, but no longer world. Uh,
2: our, our task was to build. US and world rosters, you know, world being players born outside the US, even if they're draft eligible. So Canada, Puerto Rico,
1: etc. Sure. Guam, <laughs> if Guam, it applies. Virgin Islands. US Virgin Islands. <laughs> That's right. But uh, make sure you include, uh, who was it? Akil Morris. Akil Morris, yes. Yeah, nice. <laughs> and Tim Duncan if he played baseball.
2: <laughs> so the idea is to build a roster to compete in a
1: tournament or playoff series, not just a one game exhibition. Right. So now, in, in that case, I would, I would, I, I know who my third baseman would be. Whether he's having the best year this year or not, I would just put Adrian Beltre there as my yeah. grandfathered in world third baseman. Yes. But so I focus a little bit more on this year. You had a little bit more of like a three-year window you were kind of looking at, right? Where you were yeah. giving a little bit more weight to past performance as well as this year. Mm-hmm. I was thinking of it more as a 2016 All-Star Game kind of thing. So okay, on the world, let's start with the world team. World team. Did you did you grandfather in Yanni Molina as oh, well, yeah. or did you go Wilson Ramos? No, I've got I've got Yadier Molina and Salvador Perez. Those are the two obvious guys. Wilson yeah. Ramos is having a big year. I've always been a Wilson Ramos yeah. apologist. Oh yeah, he's yeah. You know, so he he's perfectly cromulent choice. But if you're looking to win a championship internationally, let's not forget that Yanni Molina was the leader of the Puerto Rican team in 2013 yeah. WBC that played in the finals with a basically a double A and single A a bunch of relievers in their pitching staff. And Yadi Molina coaxed those guys. They upset Japan. Coaxed them all the way to the final, where they lost the DR.
2: Both these guys have uh, been two World Series.
1: Yeah, these are w- these are winning type ball players, and and Melita and Sal Perez. And I don't think that's insignificant, by the way. No, not for catcher. Exactly for guys who are Latin American, Spanish speaking first guys to be thought of to have earned that's their place in the game like that. That may not have happened twenty years ago. So I think it's kind of cool. I mean, back then Tony Pena was like the the there was one prominent Latin American catcher. It seemed like at a time in the major leagues, one hmm. or two. Interesting. Now, I mean, you're talking about two of probably the most accomplished so were defensive he, catchers. Was he, were like he and Ivan
2: Rodriguez kind of pioneers? Or? I,
1: I think they were in a lot of ways, especially Ivan Benito Rodriguez. Santiago? I mean, his career was such a flash in the pan, and that's the guy I actually would point out to as a guy who was a good offensive player but was not thought of as like a quote-unquote winner, um, leader of pitching staffs, that kind of thing, the way that Molina and Perez are. And such beloved players in the middle of middle America too, um, you know, mm-hmm. not insignificant in 2016 with some of the issues we have uh, going on. First base, world, world first base. I mean, you, you either go oh Canada, you either offend a bunch of fans <laughs> like <laughs> the way that Joey Votto. I do love how he messes with fans with the, with, the, with, the, with the ball. But Miguel Cabrera is oh, Miguel yeah. Cabrera. Miguel so. Cabrera, slam dunk. Hall, still, Hall of Fame player. I think he's still the most fun player to watch hit. And part of it's just the approach and how far he can hit the ball, but I also love his appreciation of good pitchers. You know, he really thinks the game. And on a very small tangent, my nephew looks like him in the face. And my nephew <laughs> and my nephew hates it when I say that to him. <laughs> but I think he looks like my what, nephew. What was the nickname versa.
2: they gave Avisal Garcia? Because little they call him Little Miggy, right? Yeah, Little Miggy, yeah. Mig- <laughs> Migosito, I think Migos- it was. And then Vado carry him as a pinch hitter.
1: Certainly, Joey Votto. Defensive replacement. He he makes he makes the the backup <laughs> roster. If he'll, if, he'll, if he would deign to be part of the roster, um, he would be a, a fantastic pinch hitter. Second base, pretty deep on the World Team. Would you go Cano or Altuve? I struggle with that one. I think Altuve is kind of
2: at a higher level right now, but I think you the, can't go wrong with Cano.
1: The thing is, on my lineup, if you're excluding Big Poppy, a World lineup, especially if you're starting Cabrera over Votto, is extremely right-handed. So if you're actually constructing the lineup, I think the fact I think Cano gets the edge even though I think right now Altuve is the better player. And I, I talk about players I've been wrong about in, in my career. I've been very wrong about Jose Altuve. He's been much better than I thought he would be. But the World Team at at second base is pretty deep because you've got Cano, Altuve, Jonathan Scope's a mm-hmm. interesting player, a lot of power. Mm-hmm. Um I think Altuve's better. I think for this team you'd wind up choosing Cano because you need the left-handed back. Because otherwise, this world team yeah. is extremely right-handed. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah.
2: if and, you want to win, and we game. have, although you can neutralize some of the American left-handers, we might be getting to later.
1: This is true. Because <laughs> American pitchers, hey, if you're facing Kershaw or Bumgarner, <laughs> well, I mean, we don't want to spoil it. Uh, I think you know, got, unless, you know, you know, there's you no might no have heard of these guys. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I like that point. But uh, canoe. Yeah. Uh, and, and you can't go wrong with Cano or, no, no, no. or no. Altuve. For me, those are the two best second basemen in the game anyway. So. Yep. Who you got, the uh, world's shortest, shortest stop? Um, That's usually a strength of the world team. Yeah. I think if I were playing in this tournament, I
2: would start Lindor at shortstop. Going for the, uh, get the, you, the get
1: all-around your, player. Get
2: your left-handed bat. He's probably the best or second-best or third-best defensive shortstop in the majors.
1: And uh-huh. I went, I went Xander Bogarts because again I was a little bit more focused on this year than a three-year deal. I do acknowledge that Lindor is the better defender, and if you're going to really construct a team to win a championship, you would profile in a seven-game series. You would, I would think, you would prioritize defense over offense at shortstop. But I, I still for an all-star team, I was kind of thinking Bogarts. And we have to, you know, Carlos Correa. I, not to the most talented of all those guys. I would
2: say we could fudge it and move him to third base, perhaps.
1: You certainly third could third base consideration. You certainly could, but the captain of the team has got to be Adrian Beltre. Yeah, so that's I mean, why I, I'd, I'd go Beltre. Beltre would be on the team for sure. But I mean, if you wanted to back up every
2: position, I would probably pick Correa as my backup third baseman.
1: And and you know that he has the makeup for it. The, the The weird thing is, I was trying to figure out who the world third baseman would be for this year, and I'll be honest with you, third baseman, like that's a, almost a, yeah. a, becoming a province there, of Americans. <laughs> there are no candidates outside of Beltre because Bogarts has played third base. In the major leagues, you could certainly slide Bogart's third base. He hasn't played it this year, true. but he played it in a World Series. Oh, Corey
2: Koski, where have you gone?
1: <laughs> yeah, seriously. Oh, Canada. Brett Lowry, get back to third base or something. I mean, Miguel Cabrera obviously came up as a third baseman. But just in present major league third baseman, um, there's not an obvious guy outside of, I guess, Michael Franco.
2: Yeah. And I don't think I don't think he belongs on this team, but Wilmer
1: Flores. <laughs> there you go, <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe. But there's no, uh, there was no Canadian third baseman I could think of. Um, what'd you do with your world outfield? Because I went a little bit off the board for some of my world outfielders.
2: Yeah, I think ideally I would have set it up: Cespedes and left,
1: uh, Starling Marte and center, and Marcelo Zuna in right. and right. Those are the three. Those are my three starters: uh, Cespedes, Zuna, Marte. I think you're gonna, it's gonna be tough to it'd be tough to decide which of those three guys would wind up in center field. I mean, like right now, Marte primarily still plays left field. Ozuna center, he does. and Cespedes is like all over the place, but he has the strongest arm of the three. Yeah, um, I would imagine that you would. But you, I think he prefers left. I do think he prefers I think he doesn't left like field. Right field
2: for whatever reason, and it, and Marte is so fast. I think he would have to be the center fielder. I,
1: I and I, I think that would be the ideal setup. You, then, got, you got some pretty crazy good world DHs.
2: Yeah, and then. Yeah, Nelson Cruz and Jose Bautista. I jotted those
1: down as outfield candidates as well. <laughs> I didn't even put down Jose Bautista because <laughs> I'm an idiot. He's like the Beltray. He's like the older statesman. He is. Yeah. Although, uh, you know, as long as you don't put Rugnet Odor on the team, I think you're okay. <laughs> uh, but well, we're going to get a
2: lot of flack for not talking about him from Rangers fans at second base. Or for Ben they're, they're very. Att- they're, <laughs> Rangers fans are very attached to Rugnet Odor.
1: I can see why. But uh, he does have a two ninety-two on base last I checked. So this is not yeah. insignificant. And a poor defensive reputation. Um. But yeah, but yeah, you know, cargo, uh, mm-hmm. Gregory Polanco, yep. there are two of your lefty bats that yeah. would also fit onto this team. Gregory Polanco on the upswing, yeah uh, in some I mean, offensive he's having a slightly better either, Starling Marte. I chose Marte over him just for the defense, uh, defensive chops. A little more polished. That's a good point. we'd have to get one of those guys on the bench. I would think you'd want to have cargo, I mean, he's the guy who's probably yeah. earned it, you know yeah. long term. yeah me too. Um, okay. but Batista is the other guy that I didn't have. And again, uh from a uh, who, who wants to see world pitchers hit? The answer nobody. Nobody. <laughs> so you want you want Big Poppy or you want Nelson Cruz? I put a DH on this. Uh Ed Wing, Encarnacion and also so really th- I would say the three best designated hitters in the American League, mm-hmm. uh with I guess the possible exception of elder statesman Carlos Beltrán, who I guess plays more right field than anything else. Mm-hmm. Um are all international. Uh Cruz, Edwin and of course Big Poppy. I don't see how Big Poppy could be denied, especially, again, because you need a lefty bat. But yeah. Big Poppy. Uh, I don't know if his, if his
2: bunions are, or his feet are going to allow him to participate in anything beyond. <laughs>
1: what, did he turned into El Duque? Beyond the Red Sox 130
2: games he's committed. <laughs> I didn't realize he had bunions. Yeah, he has a major foot problem.
1: I'm telling you, as you get older, <laughs> that happens. That happens. Bunions can happen. Uh, rotation. World rotation. I had a hard time putting that together. Matt, I went. Jose Fernandez for mm-hmm. Team Cuba. Yep. Johnny Cueto. Yep. Danny Salazar, uh, Julio Tehran, and then I am a sucker for Jose Quintana. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want a. I spread things out a little bit. I gave Julio Tehran the token Colombian on this team, uh, but he certainly has earned it. He's been pretty consistent over the years, and he's the Braves' number one starter right now. on A team that's really not competitive. I'm impressed by how he's been. He's been quite good this year. Um, and then Quintana gives you a
2: left-hander on there. I was scanning my U.S. team to see how many lefty bats there were for Tehran, Tehran Platoon. Pertun- <laughs>
1: But the platoon splits do not favor <laughs> they Julio do.
2: Tehran. You're right, not traditionally. I, I think if I had to have one world pitcher to start one game and he was fully healthy, I might go with you, Darvish. I didn't even think he, about I think, you. I think he would be on my team if I if he had a That's clean a bill ball. of health. I think, I, think him, I agree with you. Him, Quintana would be in there. Cueto, Fernandez. Those were all good picks. You know, Felix Hernandez. You have to look at him as like a right veteran.
1: Oh, I, again, I, I was looking at this exercise when we emailed about it as a 2016 kind of all-star team part of it instead of the uh but I did do a five I did okay well what if I took the all stars from this year in a tournament so I was a little bit more focused on this year but certainly Felix is kind of like the uh, again Adrian Beltray kind of yeah you uh, might you might want him more in like a swingman Bartolo Colon type of role on this team or you could use Bartolo Colon (laughs) in that that very same role I mean, you want to talk about team mascot slash swingman? Uh, if you want someone to eat innings or anything else, <laughs> Bartolo Colon is your guy. Um, I just want to I, mention what, Carlos Carrasco as well as a candidate. And also and, and Tanaka. I was going to ask you about Tanaka versus Maeda. Maeda's yeah. had a pretty decent year this year. I think the peripheral numbers are more in Tanaka's favor. Um, hmm. And he plays at a less favorable ballpark as well. But Maeda's been pretty good, and the strikeout rate's better for Kinta Maeda. So I actually considered. Both Maeda and Tanaka, and I did not even consider you Darvish. Yeah. But I agree, fully healthy, actually, fully healthy, one international pitcher to win one game. It might be Otani. I might take, I don't know how you pronounce his first name, but I might take the Japanese 21 year old, 22 year old, uh, Otani over all these guys. So, um, and
2: being the nerds we are, we did a bullpen as well. We did two bullpens <laughs> because we're baseball Americans. I mean, a uh, role, of this Chapman's a no brainer.
1: See, I left him out just on principle. Oh, yeah? just I just don't. Okay, so he's not a no-brainer. But he's not a no-brainer for me. But, I mean, first of all, he's the third best strikeout per nine ratio on his own bullpen. How good can he really be? We'll get to that on the U.S. team. Um, exactly. Um, But certainly, in terms of pure talent, he's a no-brainer. And there are a lot of other no-brainers. Familia and Kenley Jansen, to me, are no-brainers. Yeah. And again, from that grandfather role, Fernando Rodney and K-Rod, those two guys have been... Long-term guys, Krod's career is inexplicable. What were we looking at yesterday? That he was one of the yeah. bottom five relievers in the major leagues in terms of fastball velocity. Fastball velocity—it's like eighty-eight,
2: eighty-seven, eighty-eight. But this guy's average.
1: this guy's been getting important out since two thousand two. For crying out loud, I mean, <laughs> that's that's really almost unheard of longevity these days in a in a relief pitcher. Yes. So,
2: uh, Hector Rondon and Kelvin Herrera as well. I would just mention those guys.
1: Not that I would necessarily take them. But. Herrera's a great call who <clears throat> I left out. Alex is having a nice year this year. And then how about the Korean final boss? Yes. Sung Hwan Oh with the Cardinals. An astute free agent pickup by the Cardinals A. B. Astute by J.J. Cooper who broke down the video for me right before we finished the handbook and insisted I put that guy in the top 10 and I wound up putting him in the top 10 basically on J.J.'s recommendation and we look good for that one. So nice is he the by final JJ. boss now, now that Rosenthal is deposed? He seems to have become the final boss, the Stone Buddha. Uh, that's another nickname. Uh, so, A, great nicknames. <laughs> B, he's been really good in the big leagues. i so got to give that guy credit for coming over. And He's been the impact Korean import this year, as opposed to Park Byung-ho uh, with his 80 strikeouts <laughs> with the Twins. He's an international league star. The uh, That's right. Uh, the
2: Pirates, O Gong, also could be considered for the infield here.
1: Also gets himself in the uh, Rollas Chapman doghouse with some sexual assault allegations. <laughs> allegations yeah. against Jung Ho Gong. I mean, it's early; they're just allegations. But you want a winning clubhouse here, Matt. That's I don't true. Know. I don't know if you want these distractions around. <laughs> but Rollas Chapman really stands out as the lefty in this group. The only other left-handed pitcher either of us mentioned, I think, is Quintana. Um, world team. Yeah. Did you have any other lefties? No, you're right. So what Francisco is it? Francisco Liriano. Him? See, that's the historically the left-hander on your Futures Game alumni team. It is Francisco uh, Liriano, but uh, it is hard to find international lefties. Americans, the Southpaws, there are a lot of Southpaws of all persuasions, uh, ethnicities, but something about Latin American left handed pitching, there's just not a lot of it. So um I don't know why that is. I can't say. Y'all yeah, know say. Not even Car- the Canadians. are the saying, Canadian not even, lefties. Not even a good Canadian. Seriously. Look into that for us, Denny Boucher, will you? <laughs> um how about team USA? Where would you where would you start? Uh, Catcher seems like it's the easiest spot. On yeah,
2: the, I mean Posey, is just a
1: generational talent. He's
2: truly is one of the best players in baseball. He's year in and
1: year out. You know, at a demanding position and uh, very quietly and on a big market. You never hear any uh, hoo-ha about Buster Posey. He's just pretty cool. Pretty cool big leaguer. With well, Jonathan Lucroy as his able assistant. That's who I had as well. First base, not surprisingly, the, the most loaded American position, at least for me. Yeah. Um, I went Anthony Rizzo, but you probably went Paul Goldschmidt. I went
2: Goldschmidt, yeah.
1: Paul. I I think it might have been because I, I loaded up this team with left-handed bats. Um, at least I thought I was, but uh, yeah. I love Rizzo, I love Goldschmidt, and I like Brandon Belt. All three, yeah. all three of those guys. I think consistent, uh, you know, productive players there. But I think Rizzo is like the quietest superstar in the big leagues, you know. Being on a big market team like the Cubs with all these expectations. And for me, he's their best offensive player year in, year out. Uh, still is right now, even with the year that, that Bryant's having. And you just don't, This doesn't seem like Rizzo gets his due. So I, I'm an Anthony Rizzo guy. I think, is he younger than Paul Goldschmidt? I think he is. Probably. So, um, but Old, you, you can't 12, go wrong with those guys. 09 draft. College. Rizzo's 07 high school. So, so I think younger. he's younger. Yeah. Second base, uh, US is a little bit tougher. This, this was impossible. I'd, I I don't know if I had a starter
2: here. I guess you know, I went Matt Carpenter. Matt Carpenter.
1: I went Matt Carpenter. I'm in a TCU frame of mind apparently this week with Jim Schlossnagel, our coach of the year, and, and I went Matt Carpenter second base. But Daniel Murphy's making a hell of a case, Matt. I can't believe you didn't have Daniel Murphy. I think if i were
2: doing a, a tournament, I think I would. I might be inclined to take Kinsler just because he, he gives you the glove and, and the speed that you might not get. Help. With another
1: option here, the U.S. second baseman also are aging out. They're yeah. older. Honestly, the best second and, baseman might be Mookie freaking Betts if, yeah. he, if he could just play second base. And, and Kinsler is the rare
2: second baseman who doesn't seem to be affected by, you know, growing older.
1: <laughs> it's amazing how he's maintained his skills as he's aged. Uh, it's actually not. It's not amazing. It's really impressive. He deserves credit for it. Pedroya, obviously, uh, kind of a grand. Uh, if you want to win, that's your grinder-slash-winner type guy who, oh, by the way, can still hit. Um, But I went Carpenter's because... I, what, what was stat was I looking up? Matt Carpenter's just having another... He's just a fantastic hitter. He is. He leads the NL in OPS right now. He's such a consistent <laughs> hitter. But he's mostly a third baseman, correct? But he's moved to second now. Now yeah. that they put Wong in center field, he's the everyday second baseman in St. Louis. So, okay. while well, career-wise, he has been more of a third baseman, he certainly has played a lot of second base in his career, and just from a pure hitting standpoint, he's one of the top five. I think just if you're grading out hit tools in Major League Baseball, how's he not in the top ten? Just hit tools, he's probably like a straight seven hitter. The guy's a, the guy's just a machine offensively. So I felt good about having him as my American second baseman.
2: Yeah, there's no argument against him.
1: Shortstop, that was one where I got confused. Mhm.
2: I'm with Brandon Crawford here. I think he's kind of the best American shortstop right now based on what he's accomplished in the major leagues.
1: I think that there's a very strong case for that. I put Manny Machado. We put Machado on the U.S. team. He played for the U.S. in the Futures game on the U.S. side, even though, obviously, he's born in Puerto Rico, moved to Florida, high school at Hialeah High in Florida. Actually, I think he was born in Miami is what you said. He's yeah. Puerto Rican ethnic. ethnic yeah, eth- we have him as Hialeah. And okay. Played high
2: school ball in, in Miami.
1: So, so that had me put Machado at short. Um, even though he's only played half of this, basically this season, at shortstop. Prior to uh, prior to that, Crawford and then Corey Seager are my other choices of shortstop. And yeah. Corey Seager's offensive performance as a rookie mm-hmm. is just sick. And how about the two Seagers are both in the top twenty-six in the major leagues in total bases. Hmm. Top twenty-five, I should say. Top twenty-five. It's tie- <laughs> Seager's tied for twenty-fourth. It's like a four-way tie of the one hundred sixty-three total bases. So Corey, yeah, Corey's. Uh, yeah, okay. no, Kyle. Kyle. Yeah. Corey's in the top ten Corey, Corey's him. Yeah. <laughs> Corey Seager's in the top ten in the major leagues in total bases as a rookie shortstop. That's incredible. Not that the rest of that lineup is sizzling around him either, right? No. I he, mean, he's probably the best hitter. Oh, yeah. no, I think it's the, without question he's the Dodgers' best hitter. So, so, at third base, I put Machado at third base
2: as my starter. I know that's a deep position. Like, like you know, first base for the U.S., but I, I think Machado is the best most well-rounded.
1: I think third base actually is the deepest position, even compared to first base. I Because I, when you really think about it, you, that's another reason to move Machado to short for me. Mm-hmm. you got the aforementioned Kyle Seeger, who's an underrated, steady player. Very good defender as well. Not very good, but good defender. You've got uh, Josh Donaldson, mm-hmm. uh, reigning MVP. And then you've got Machado, if you count him at third base. And then Nolan Arenado. Mm-hmm. I picked Nolan Arenado because I went defense, and I'm just... I'm I'm on a I guess I've talked to too many Rockies folks lately, but I'm just (laughs) obsessed with Nolan Arenado right (laughs) now uh, to the point where we stuck him on the cover of the magazine on that defense issue, which was a rocking cover. I'm very excited about that cover with him and Nick Senzel. Um, To me, uh, Arenado the only thing he doesn't do is walk. You know, everything else you want a player to do, he does. Plays so hard, tremendous defensive player, hits for average, hits for power. but you can go Donaldson and then, or, or again, Machado's extremely well rounded. So yeah. I think I think you have a better team if you have Machado at short, one of those guys at third, and if you have Crawford at short. But Crawford has won multiple World Series championships as a shortstop, uh, as I mean, a defender, and left-handed bat and developing power. So trends for him offensively continue to be very good. Uh, when you talk to scouts, like I talk to amateurs, uh, scouts for amateur draft coverage, Matt. And especially when I bear down on NorCal or SoCal, because he's a NorCal high school kid, SoCal college product at UCLA. Scouts just laugh. They're just like, there's no way I would ever predict this guy to hit 20 home runs in the big leagues. Never. Like <laughs> the area guys who saw him, especially guys who saw him in high school or saw him his junior year in college or saw him in the Cape. He really struggled in the Cape. So that's why it's kind of amazing. Uh, the Giants, one of the things John Barr always talks about is a watch our guys in the Cape. Matt Duffy hitting the Cape. Hmm. Brandon Bell hitting the Cape. Joe Panic hitting the Cape. The guys they've hit on, Buster Posey hitting the Cape. You know course, Hossa, did he hit in the Cape? I believe CJ Hino Hosa may have hit in the Cape, yes. But that's, they put a lot of stock in what players do in the Cape Cod League. If my memory serves, Brandon Crawford, like, struck out a billion times in the Cape. So, hmm. uh, roughly, give or take a few hundred million. <laughs> um, but he has, his trend lines are so good. Um, You know, offensively, I think he, he's a perfectly cromulent choice at shortstop. And the outfield, I mean, two spots are pretty much taken. Trout and Harper. If you're going long term, I I didn't, I didn't have Harper for this year because I was focusing on this year. I I wanted to give Jackie Bradley Jr. some love because of the the defense and again, the all around game. And I'm a Jackie Bradley Jr. fan. Uh, but Trout and Harper are, are, are money picks. Did you take Mookie Betts as your third guy or did you go Stanton? McCutcheon. I oh, you not McCutcheon. Hello. Yeah. Uh, so I had, yeah. The United States is pretty low in the outfield. McCutcheon, two. Trout,
2: Harper would, would be left or right, would be
1: my outfield. My you wouldn't put Trout in left field? You'd keep McCutcheon in center field instead? No, I would put Trout in center. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Does he grade out better on the metrics defensively I, than I, McCutcheon? Maybe not as much as he used to, but I think McCutcheon probably has the worst arm. That's probably true. Um, uh, George Springer. Mookie Betts is one yeah, the guys Springer, I think need to be. Chris, Chris Bryant,
2: I had him listed in the outfield other than third base, but yeah. I stuck him at DH. DH. Okay.
1: I just want, I want a major league leader in home runs to be in the starting nine somewhere. Plus, the thing is with Harper, I mean with Harper, the thing is with Bryant, maybe you want to start him in left field in one of these outfielders as DH because if you, Bryant's versatility is so unique he can play both outfield corners, first base and left field, first base and third base. Wouldn't wouldn't blow me away if in one major league game and for an inning if you had Chris Bryant playing shortstop, so you wouldn't want that versatile player at DH. You'd lose the DH, and then heaven for Fenn you'd have a pitcher hit. Who wants that? Uh, um,
2: Lorenzo Cain. Uh, you mentioned uh, Giancarlo Stanton. Another good and choice. Betts. All these guys are in the, in the discussion.
1: And again, just fo- I was more focused on this year. So the other guy that I wrote down was Mark Trumbo, just because he's hitting. This is the year where he's hitting a lot of home runs. Yeah. But, what, 24 home runs? He's tied for the Major League League, I believe, with Chris Bryant. So um I also threw in, uh, not, well, Freddie Freeman was the one other player that I threw in at first base. But Daniel Murphy, I'm surprised that I put Murphy and you didn't. What's the deal with that? It's, uh, first base, second base, third base, he's bad at all three. True.
2: You can't justify playing with first base on this team.
1: No, you cannot. I just I think we can find a lot better defense. Did I even include a big league? I did do American bullpen, didn't I? Okay, just got cut off. You wrote your American rotation, Matt, where'd you go? Well, Kershaw's the ace. That's pretty clear. Yes. Um, you didn't do Bumgarner in your top five, did you?
2: No, I didn't list them in order. I just kind of jotted right. down names. I think you'd have to take Bumgarner in there somewhere.
1: I think so. I think you have to take three left-handers. Kershaw, Bumgarner, and Sale, mm-hmm. for me, are must-haves on any American rotation.
2: I mean, the way Arietta's pitched for the last two years, you'd have to take him. You know, David Price, this year, might give you a little pause.
1: Correct. That's why I didn't include Scherzer him.
2: this year might give a little pause. A lot Nike of home this runs year.
1: Uh, You know, so I don't know. I went Cindergaard. Cindergaard, yeah, I could see that. I mean, Cindergaard, I think of... Uh, Cindergaard and your two right-handers. Right. I'm just thinking of one world pitcher we left out, by the way, is Carlos Martinez. Mm-hmm. We should have mentioned Carlos Martinez in the world roster. I, I don't know why that just came up in my head. but Cindergaard, another guy that I missed on uh, as a prospect. I liked him, but didn't like him as much as uh, some others. Man, he's really good. <laughs> <I> mean, <Yeah. laughs> for a guy whose breaking ball was questioned in the Florida State League, I remember scouts really banging on his breaking ball on that level. And now where he has this slider that's a truly unique pitch, nobody else throws a 92-mile-an-hour slider. Except for this guy, who every once in a while throws a 95-mile-an-hour slider.
2: <laughs> what the hell is going on? The, th- the thing with him is he doesn't hold runners very well. So that is, that is a weakness that could be exploited. Might a, be exploited in this format.
1: Correct, but, you know, if you needed to have a pitcher hit, <laughs> you do have four. Um, what was your uh, U.S. bullpen? I can tell you, we both, I know we both took Zach Britton. Cause he's all, yeah. Oh, there, were, there I... other, were there other U.S. starters that you wanted to mention? You mentioned Grikey, no, Those are other guys. Grikey. John uh, Lester. Corey Kluber, we should mention him at least. The Klubot is impressive. Um, Three Indians pitchers mentioned in the one podcast. That tells you what a yeah. crazy world we're in. I know. They all deserve it, too. Yeah, Zach Britton,
2: I think you'd have to take him just for his singularity, his left-handedness.
1: What was that fastball percentage that you had in the he, day up on FanGraphs, 86%? 88%. 81 ground ball percentage.
2: Oh, that was it. Four out of five balls to play against him are ground balls. And when opponents take ground balls, they're only hitting like 230.
1: So well, I tell you this. That's pretty good. If he's on the mound, I don't want Daniel Murphy at second base. <laughs> that's when for sure I want, or maybe even Matt Carpenter, I might have to have Dustin Pedroia on my bench as the backup. Uh, you know, as a defensive replacement, Kinsler, Kinsler, <laughs> sure. We re- rekindled the old Arizona State 2002 debate. Um, and I definitely want Brandon Crawford playing shortstop in that. In that case, I want my most sure-handed infielders. and Then you definitely want Nolan Arenado out there. So that's true. <laughs> so uh, Machado's a stud at defensively. Too, he is. At he's a stud. Um, you know, it's a lot of legacy
2: guys here. I don't know exactly how they're doing this year. Wade Davis.
1: Wade Davis is on the DL now, but he's been certainly
2: has been good enough. Craig Kimbrell. Right. Andrew Miller and Batances, you know.
1: Andrew Miller and Dylan Batances tied. The last I checked, I was just sorting by strikeouts per dine. So first you have to sort by saves on this baseball reference page to get uh, leaders. Uh Uh-oh, I did this wrong. So you sort by saves. That gets Miller and Batances on the page. And then you get down to Miller and Batances' stats, and they're just They're just crazy. They're crazy stats. Because Miller has 66 strikeouts, I think, in five walks this year. He's he's averaging, it's, both players are 16.2 strikeouts per night. Here's Batansas with 74 to 9 strikeout to walk in 41 innings. It's just, again, just like, hard to compute. I mean, I know we're in a strikeout era, but he's the strikeout in this that ever struck a strikeout. Hey, <laughs> yeah, look at that guy. I mean, it's really just. Uh,
2: and still, he's given up runs this year.
1: Yeah, who touches this guy? Uh, it's it's hard to. I mean, you watch him; it's not a surprise, um, but just an incredible season. I mean, it's not as incredible as Clayton Kershaw's one forty-five to nine, you know. But Andrew Miller, uh, again, sixteen point two strikeouts per nine was his average. So to me, those two guys. Here's Andrew Miller: sixty-six strikeouts in thirty-six and two-thirds innings and five walks. So how that team has that bad of an offense? With that bullpen, it's kind of a crime, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I just, uh, uh it is unbelievable how epic that bullpen is, and how neat Nate Avaldi's
2: in that bullpen. You know, he by really? the way, he throws a hundred from the rotation, so he's like,
1: like, he's like their sixth inning guy. You yeah, know? that's what we're saying
2: is like you need to go like your starter for five innings, period, and then, yeah. b- then bring in six, seven, eight, nine.
1: Um, it, it's it's kind of
2: amazing how that goes. I think you mentioned Will Harris, Astros closer Will Harris. He's having a great year. You
1: know the other guy who's just done it for three years in a row now, four years in a row, Mark Melanson. Mm-hmm. You know Mark Melanson to me just has to be a part of that. I'm a big Melanson guy. So I didn't actually take Kimbrel because I don't think Kimbrel wins over Davis or Melanson or Betances. Maybe he does over Will Harris. Maybe he does over Brad Brack. Uh, All-Star this year. I just wanted to put Brad Brack on there. I love saying his name. We don't really need a rant about this, I list, cannot believe he's an All-Star. <laughs> Word to Monmouth. That's great that... Well, I mean, they needed
2: that ninth reliever on that roster. Exactly. So. <laughs> exactly. For, for the nine-inning game. Got to have nine relievers.
1: Well, what if you go 12? Uh, you're still going <laughs> to use all nine relievers, apparently. But uh, So the All-Star game is a little bit... I wouldn't say it's broken. I, I'm, I wouldn't even say it's stale. But you're in our 20th year of interleague play now, Matt, and the old interleague format for the All-Star game, I think, you can argue, could use some freshening up. I think a U.S. versus World team would be really a lot of fun. It would be fun. I'm not sure if the U.S. players would take it as seriously as the World players probably would, but um, you do see that energy that uh, is uh, in the World dugout, having been in that World dugout before for futures games. Uh, you know, the guys on that team, uh, not all of them, but especially the, that, the Latin American players, especially the Dominicans and the Venezuelans. It means a lot to play with fellow Dominicans and Venezuelans. And every once in a while, uh, uh, who was the, uh, Renee Tassoni sneaks in there and they all go crazy for Renee Tassoni <laughs> or Justin Huber, both, uh, past futures game MVPs, as was, uh, Sal Wei, the outfielder. No. Um, was, was that – which, Chen um,
2: Wei, the Red Sox guy, right?
1: Yeah. I'm sorry. I thought it was Sal Chenway, but I think that's the pitcher. I think you're right. I apologize, this is is ethnically insensitive of me, but I can't remember his name. This this would be
2: essentially a way to force participation for a World Baseball Classic uh, finale, essentially. Yeah, basically. Because we we have this format for the WBC, separated by country. But we don't get full participation.
1: See, Will Lingo wanted to know if maybe you could get uh, my my idea of uh, North Carolina versus the world, or <laughs> uh, oh WBC that was set up just by um, you know by state. It's Ching. It was a Che Shuan Lin. Che Shuan Lin. Yep. So that's who it was who was the MVP, and the year before it was Taiwanese shortstop of the Dodgers Ching Lung Hu. So you had back to back Taiwan MVPs wow. of the WBC. I mean of the of the Futures Game. Which I did not, I could not have told you that in a million years. I remember Shuan Lin, I do not remember Ching Lung Hu, and I was there and I helped present the trophy to him in San Francisco. I remember interviewing him, I remember I did the interviews that year. Even after long
2: illustrious major league careers, you couldn't remember these two guys exactly.
1: Didn't Shuan Lin uh, convert to pitcher? Convert to pitcher, yeah. Yeah, The
2: the Rangers signed him as a pitcher. The United States (laughs) has won
1: six straight uh,
2: futures games. uh, Wow! Did you know that the American League of this format? The you should probably just mention Verlander, Strasburg, and Cole Hamels. From American Pitchers, we can't fit in this.
1: Kind of amazing we didn't even mention Strasburg um, and, and Hamels. Yeah, and Verlander's aged out a bit of this, but oh, he's having a nice bounce back yeah. here this year. Yeah. And I'm a big Justin Verlander. I've always been a big Justin Verlander guy since, again, whiffing on him um, when he was not in the top 100 the year after he got drafted because we had so mm-hmm. many negative reports on the makeup. Not that he was, you know, like a ne- just that he hadn't grown in three years in college, and now the guy's as worldly and as great of a spokesperson for Major League Baseball as anybody. Um, He's directly at odds with his reputation. Back when he was, uh, uh, when Dustin Pedroia was trying to get to him in the Pan Am Games dugout in 2003, and Ray Tanner had to separate him going, I'm getting punched. So, one of my favorite all time stories is Dustin Pedroia going after uh, Justin Verlander saying, Don't, you're not going to cost me an effing gold medal in the uh, dugout of the 2003 Pan Am Games. But I digress. Uh, David Price, though, conspicuous in his absence. Yeah. Who wins, Matt? Who wins uh, U.S. versus world best of seven series? Best of seven? I still think that the, uh, I think the United States starting pitching is a lot start stronger yeah. than the world team, but you know the the world team is very right-handed to neutralize in some ways, potentially neutralize Kershaw, and Bumgarner, and Chris Sale. Potentially, yeah. I mean, who's the? I mean, I guess it, would you would you counter with Arietta or Syndergaard in the for for Team USA? I guess the world team.
2: I guess you'd have to think about it. i was trying to look if there's any. Defense
1: to exploit.
2: I don't really think so.
1: I'm going to guess that the the U.S. team probably is going to go all, a little bit, be a little bit more all in on the shifts. than The world team, the world team might play it a little bit more straight up.
2: Yeah, I think it is. I think the starting rotation is the major
1: area where one team is better than the other. I think the U.S. bullpen is a little better too. Um, I think the pitching mm-hmm. staff uh, gets a clear edge. To the United States, uh, but, you know, the, the lineups though are very, very competitive. Um, certainly, the U.S. team. Has an advantage with you know, Trout and Harper are pretty singular talents, but it's not that the world team's hurting for offense. And Posey's
2: the best hitter among catchers by far
1: by a wide margin. Uh, and then Luke Roy might be the second best. And he's on the last I checked, he's American too. So, um, <laughs> but I, I like this exercise though, it was a fun exercise. So, I uh, hope, uh, hope listeners enjoyed it. Tell,
2: um, tell us where we were wrong, of course.
1: On yeah, please do. That's what Twitter's there for. Uh, so let us know. And, of course, we'll have plenty of coverage from the Futures game out in San Diego, Uh, J.J. Cooper, Kyle Glazer, Josh Norris, Ben Badler. The whole uh, menagerie will be there in San Diego. And look for the Baseball America prospect pad on Saturday. We're going to have plenty of interviews and social media as we bring some prospects in to the Hard Rock Cafe. That's an exciting event. First time we're doing that, and I'm really looking forward to it. So for Matt Eddy, I'm John Manuel. We'll see you on the next Baseball America podcast. So long, everybody